Welcome to Ink and Magic, a podcast where we read and discuss the writing craft, world building, and romance of paranormal and fantasy novels. If you love books with bite, set in worlds of magic and mayhem, then you're in the right place. My name's Nikisha Shanae. I go by an S. And I'm Leslie. I write as Elle Penelope. And welcome to the show. Leslie! Inez! <laughs> we're back to- we're back to talk about Mind to Possess, book we number are. four in the Science Changeling series. Yes, book four in this. I I I want to put up front that this this series, when you're doing a paranormal series, you have so much amazing leeway to write about the issues in present day world, but do it in a different way to kind of take um, our issues out. And to talk about these things in a different way. And I think Singh is doing some serious work with this book. It's work that I do not always agree with, but it's work that is making me think hard. Yeah, we have we have a lot to unpack <laughs> in this episode. We were we were chatting before we started recording. And yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, so it, it's Clay and Talon's story. We're meeting, we've met Clay from the first book. Talon is a new character. His childhood best friend who reappears after yes. 20 years it's best friends it's childhood best friends to lovers and they were in love when they were like what five she was five, five and eight, eight and ten and stuff yeah he's four years older i think mm-hmm. but they met when she was three because she yeah. was like a preternaturally gifted child who you know she has an eidetic memory so she can remember everything and i guess that made her more capable of talking and just reasoning at, at three years old there's a passage that I remember that said she could remember before she came out of the womb. Yes. Fascinating. Very fascinating bit of character development. And unfortunately, there's a lot of things that happen in Tally's life that I'm sure she wishes that she can't remember. So guys, we warned you in the last episode that trigger warnings run amok in this book. Tally was abused as a child. And, and we have... Yeah, an external plot of you know ch- children are being kidnapped and killed yeah. and tortured in some cases. Like Nalini Singh is not holding back. At it's all. not you know ever. I don't believe it's graphic or you know. But see, that's the thing. But because it's not graphic, because she doesn't just d- d- talk about it in detail. It's one of those things like with the horror films mm-hmm. that you don't have to see what's under the bed. You don't have to see what's in the dark. It is because she she writes it well mm-hmm. and she gives you just enough to give you the horror and the kind of the terror um, and to really understand her trauma. And her trauma infects Talon's trauma and Clay's actually, too, infects every part of the book and their relationship. I mean, it is all about that. Yeah. And so it was at times like not the easiest read yeah. just because it's the ripple effects of these events um, are what the book is about. Yeah. So Tally, we, we, we learn. So when we meet both of these people, Tally and Clay, they're full adults um, and they have been separated from for 20 years, which is which is a, a plot technique that I do not like. I don't like it when my characters, my the lovers are apart for a long time because I'm sitting here. Th- I'm fascinated with people who've been married for decades and decades and decades. And I'm like, you could have had 20 years <laughs> of marriage. I'm like, ah. But they were children. They and also, children. we don't, it's not on the page. Like, what I don't like is at the dark moment when the couple is separated for more than like two or three weeks. If they were separated for many years, which has happened in books, and it's yeah. just like, what? Why? No. 
this is off the page. Yeah, they're, they're coming to back together after 20 years. Now, second chance romance is not my cup of tea. It's not my biscuits. It's not my jam. I'm not a fan in general. So maybe that colors a little bit of this too. It's not my favorite trope, but at least, you know, fr from day one, from page one, basically they are back together again, even though they're at odds so hard. Like immediately the romantic conflict is just intense. She's literally afraid of him yeah. for large parts of the book. Yeah. And that's difficult to read too in this kind of, you know, romance novel. Yeah. So again, we meet them. Um, Tally's driving because she needs help. She, she comes to find Clay, who is the only person that she thinks she can help her. And Clay thinks she's dead. Because she wanted him to believe that. She actively perpetuated the lie yeah. that he would believe that she was dead because he went to juvenile hall after killing her abusive stepfather in front of her. And that, you know, caused the fear that she believes she has of him uh, throughout the whole thing. And, you know, we don't really find out her exact reasons until much later in the book. So it's really difficult. Like you've got this, you know, your hero is deeply hurt by the fact that he thought that she was dead and she purposefully did that. And to me, it was kind of, you know, like even though we get the reasons as we go along for that beginning part, it's just unforgivable. Like I don't like either of these characters. <laughs> it was hard for me to get into them because he's really mean and she lied to him about something so big and has just been hiding for 20 years. It's it's hard, it's a hard initial conflict to overcome. Yes. Chase, uh, Clay is changeling. And as we know, changelings, they mate once and they mate for life. And he knew when he was a kid that she was it for him. And then he believes she's dead. So when she turns up, still trying to run away from him again, <laughs> he spots her and he's like, whoa, this, this, this can't be real. And she turns and he realizes this is really her. And she's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> That's not what she says, but she, you get it. Um, he has and the attraction is there. You know, the, the physical attraction is there immediately on his side, at least. And I think her side, even though she is afraid of him, she's afraid of his violence, about of his leopard, you know, the, there is the attraction sort of simmering beneath there. But yeah, she seemed at the beginning, she was very weak to me. She was kind of spineless just because of, you know, he, he actually saved her and it did not seem like there was any gratitude there and of course there was trauma wrapped up all all in that because she was like eight years old at the time yeah so when we first meet them we're getting a lot of backstory through their a dialogue <laughs> chapters is, yeah chapters and chapters. chapters and chapters worth of backstory through dialogue which is not my favorite thing we call it that as you know bobbing because it's like <laughs> it's like you're saying well as you know bob in the last episode but instead it was as you know clay you did this to me and as you know talon you did this and this I didn't feel like it was as you know bobbing. Okay. Honestly, I, I felt like it was done a little more crap. Like it was, I was reading it because it's stuff I needed to know, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, it was stuff I didn't know. It didn't feel like they were just rehashing. They haven't seen each other since they were like 12 and 18 or whatever, 16. 12 and so, 8. So, well, yeah, well, he went to, she was eight and I guess he was 12. He was a little older than that, 14, because he was in Julie for four years. I think it was 14 to 18, whatever it was, <laughs> young age. They haven't seen each other since then. So there's a lot to catch up on, I guess. But I mean, chapters. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was, it was a good amount of info dumping. Now, what I did love that she, that Nalini Singh did is that she kept asking 
questions. This is my favorite thing to do in prose is when the the author starts having the characters ask questions that kind of make you lean in. And she was also hinting at secrets. Like Tally had more secrets that she was still trying to keep from him. And that all made me lean in. And that's why I don't think of this as info dump necessarily. It wasn't... There's conflict on the page. You know, mm -hmm. they're having an argument that lasts for a couple of chapters. They're rehashing things. They're, they are asking questions. So it, if you have to give a lot of exposition and get a lot of information out, this is a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. But it would just, I felt like it wasn't broken up enough. It all happens mm -hmm. in such a large chunk that while I, I wouldn't call it info dump exactly because it is, you're still turning the pages, you are leaning mm -hmm. in, you're interested. I think of info dump as like, okay, I guess I need to know this, but I am so bored. I wasn't bored per se, but I longed for something more to be happening. Action. Action. Mm -hmm. Yes. There was no action. Yeah. But here's some of the things that we learned. We learned um, that Tally had become, we learned that she was abused. We get the hints that she was yeah. abused. We do not get the extent. We learned that she is now or had been in her um, young adult to new adulthood promiscuous. And what's fascinating, what was fascinating to me, I think Nalini saying handles abuse victims like chef's kiss. I mean, it's a hard thing to read, but her handling of it is really just masterful because Tally talks about how she was punishing herself because Clay asked something along the lines of, have you been with anyone else? It's not exactly what he says, but it's along those lines. And she was like, yes, more men than whose names I can and faces that I can remember. And I was, I gasped. Yeah, it was, it's a lot because you felt her guilt and shame about that. Yeah. Even though she was kind of trying to put him off, she knew that this was going to put him off yeah. and it does. It yeah. puts him way off. But the reason that she did it is because she, she explains, I can't remember if she explained it to him. I don't, I think she just explained it in, in her monologue. She was punishing herself. She mm -hmm. felt like she was trash. She felt like she could never be in a relationship and she would even disassociate during sex with right. other people. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, I, I took maybe half a semester of psychology. So it feels to me like just classic textbook, you know, just trauma, the PTSD of having been abused as a child and, and how she dealt with it. So, you know, you have that character who you would want someone to be sensitive and understanding to. And Clay is in no way sensitive or understanding to this predicament. He knows what she's been through. And he, I mean, this is a, this is a major conflict throughout their relationship. The fact that she has had sex with, sex with all of these men, and I mean, do you want to talk about slut shaming now? Go for it. So, okay, this book was written in two thousand, or it was published in two thousand eight, written a year or two before that. So, and I don't believe that we should judge things from the past by our lens, because in two thousand twenty three, when we are recording this, you know, a lot of things happening in this book would not fly. So my my critique here, I'm I'm trying not to make it about now, but I feel like on on its own merits, without sort of the way that culture has shifted, and culture shifts back and forth. You know, where we are now in ten or fifteen years, it's going to shift back to a previous era. That's just the way history goes. But I just wished from someone who claims to love her that there had been more compassion. And the fact that he is so aggressively slut-shaming her for this behavior just really rubbed me the way the wrong way. And I think that, you know, you you're writing characters, I mean, as as authors, we write characters who don't correspond necessarily to our own beliefs. You know, you have to ha make them true to themselves. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this Clay is being true to himself, to his leopard. But I do wonder, would any of the other leopards or even wolves have reacted in this way to this person in this situation who had done that? Like, I just had, I had issues with the the lack of compassion of it all. On t- just above and beyond the idea that we now, you know, think that slut shaming is something that should not be done. Because I... I I have problems with that part of the culture in for certain you know reasons as well. Like I think grown adult people should be able to sleep with whoever they want. Like that's an, that's a decision mm-hmm. and there shouldn't be shame or you know who cares like mind your business. At the <laughs> same time, I think that we're doing especially younger girls and younger women a disservice by promoting promiscuity. If if that's I think there are some cases where it's kind of promoted. We're like, yeah, you should sleep with more people. And the fact is that girls have consequences to that. There are like diseases, there's pregnancy, there's all kinds of consequences that boys have less responsibility, you know? And so I think there should be responsibility with sex just in general, like, yes, be an adult and do what you want to do, but be responsible. So on that, on that part of it, it's like, okay, that's not where I'm coming from. I'm just coming from the fact that this person was acting out because of trauma and distress and this person who claimed to love her had no compassion for that whatsoever. I want to stay on this for a second. We are so Leslie, you made a a comment during one of our reads that, you know, sex usually happens at 50%. Mm -hmm. Sex in this book did not happen at 50%. Did not happen at 60%. (laughs) It took a while. What's what percent? I don't know. I was just like the exact percent, which would be a very Leslie thing to do. It would. I'm surprised I didn't. It was because I was in the audiobook and it's harder to to mark the percentages. It's okay, Leslie. It's okay. But what I do want to point out, and we are skipping around a bit, is that um again, Singh does handle, even even if we disagree with um Clay's reactions to Tally's actions, I still think that Singh handled the sexual seduction of an abuse victim really well. Like I said, the sex happens far beyond halfway through the book when we would expect it. And Clay, even though I think that Clay had a flat arc, talk with that in a second, Mm. I think that he, the way that Singh wrote him, he takes his absolute time with his seduction of her. He's talking to her constantly, even though I don't like everything that he says to her. (laughs) He's touching her. Um, and he's and he's 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 watching as he touches. He's he's he's, it takes a while even before they kiss. There's mental seduction involved in this book. There's parts where they are sleeping in the same bed and there's absolutely no sex happening. In fact, the one of the first times that this happens, it's all about protection because he um puts him puts her between the wall and the door so that she's feeling safe and secure. And then when they finally do have sex, oh man, it, it lasts for pages. And yeah, pages. it's probably the longest, most intense sex scene. But I think it needed to be. And I think that you're right. Like Clay, he is a hard character. But I like to talk about the flat arc because I don't know. I don't have an opinion about that necessarily. He does get over himself. He mm-hmm. does realize that he's been an ass. And he's constantly holding himself back. Like he's very attracted to her. And there's lots of times in his in his inner monologue, he's like, I really want to just strip her down and have sex with her, but I know she's not ready for that. So I'm holding myself back. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, good on you, dude. Like, just do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, work on yourself, sir. But yeah, he's always stopping himself. So when, because they get over 
so many of their issues before they are physically intimate. You know, their relationship is really strengthened and that's the last thing. And it happens when Tally realizes, oh, she's not actually afraid of him. She really never was. She loses all of those trappings because she has, he's proven to her over the course of the events of the novel that he's going to be there. And even though at that, even when the first time they have sex, she doesn't hundred percent believe he's going to stay forever. Mm-hmm. There is so much trust that is rebuilt because the 20 years that they were apart, the trust was destroyed by her actions. By her actions. Yeah. And so she, both of them kind of work together to rebuild that trust. And then we get, I think we get a lot of sex scenes. There's like we more get a lot, yeah. individual sex scenes in this book than there have been in the previous ones. Mm-hmm. So it's late, but then she makes up for it. I think there's a rule too, because I think that when characters, virgin heroes and virgin heroines are still crazy popular today in 2023. Yeah. But I think that whenever you have an experience, when you have experienced lovers, that there's a rule. I really believe in this rule that when the these two lovers finally come together in the bedroom, that there is some sexual act or something about the way that the other person does something that they excel at that. And I, it's usually oral. It is usually oral. And in, and in this book, she was like, I don't really like the oral, but oh my gosh, when he did it, it was He's a good that. <laughs> Because if you remember, like I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of Judd being perfect in the bed the first time. He's a virgin hero, um, and Clay has less experience than Tally, but he's the best she's ever had. And she less experience, but considering that she's never even been satisfied or enjoyed sex really, and she disassociated half the time, yeah. you know, it might have evened out. Like he still had a lot. It feels like, although she doesn't really go into any of his. Like how much experience he's actually had. He, it, I remember it saying. I remember the 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 pro saying something along the lines of he was very, he wasn't interested a lot. He did have lovers, but very rarely. And you even see the women in the pack being like, "Oh my god, I need to see this woman. Oh my god, he actually talks to you right. and stuff like that." They were just like shocked because he's a loner. Yeah, and he doesn't really want to be close to anybody. Yeah. I mean, we know he was not a virgin because she calls him out on his hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't wait for me. So what, you know, which apt. Ap- the good thing about mm-hmm. Tally is that she does give, she doesn't um, roll over. Like, he's pushing and he's being an ass and she just, she fights him. And that's that's good. Like, once she loses that whole spineless, I'm afraid of him thing, she's able to push back. Sometimes pretty hard. Yeah. Like, with joking around, you know, when they were in Dark River, who are like way far in the book, but they are in the, the headquarters and he does something to push oh, out. Oh, I don't like, Sorry about your little problem. Loud enough for everyone to hear. Like intimating that he has, you know, issues problem. in the bedroom and embarrassing him. And so, yeah, she gives as good as she gets, which we need in a heroine, especially yeah. the hero who is sort of an alpha hole, right? Like he's an alpha hole. I, I 1000% agree with that. And alpha holes are not my favorite. Yeah, me neither. One of the secrets that we start to learn um, about Tally is that she's sick. Clay mm-hmm. smells the sickness on her. Um, she's been diagnosed as something that's incurable. She believes she's dying. So mm-hmm. she doesn't have much time to live. She's trying to wrap up things. Um, and also find, you know, the, the external plot line is these children that are in her care. She's kind of like a social worker for this mm-hmm. organization called Shine, which helps wayward youth. And so she wayward had, human youth. Wayward human youth. Yeah, they're human. 
as far as anyone knows at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, several of her kids have turned up missing and have been killed and their bodies have been found. And one of them, John Quill, is still missing. And the whole idea of the book is to save him because they, they think he's still alive. Yes, which we will get to in just a second. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, more about Tally because um, we learn that she has premonitions and 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 certain feelings about people, even though it's a it's it's a detail that's not really chased throughout the book. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was premonitions. It was it was sort of like oh, her feelings about people are always right, but yeah, we don't see much of that. No. We learn about her memory. But her feelings, it's, I remember one or two mentions and then it kind of goes away. Mm -hmm. The same thing when, when she meets Sasha, Sasha sees that she has, the tally has shields of protection around her mind, yeah. which was interesting, but it wasn't chased. Well, it's just that they're impenetrable. Like Sasha can't get through at all, which is rare for a human. Like she makes the note that she's never seen a human with shields like this before. So we we were complaining about Nalini not seeding. I think she was trying to seed here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. She's she's seeding things uh, early on to let you know. Because I, I was thinking, especially given the prologue, we didn't talk about the prologue, no, but uh, the prologue talks about the forgotten who were, mm -hmm. you know, before silence, Psy intermarried, all three races intermarried. And then after silence, you know, Psy might've been married to a human or a changeling and had kids and they couldn't be silent. They didn't want to be, so they left. And sometimes they were hunted down and killed and sometimes they disappeared. So you kind of are set up with this knowledge that you're probably gonna be meeting some of these descendants in the book and you do. And so you're kind of primed to believe that, oh, is Tally one of these? But it looks like she's not because she was tested and she was 3% Psy. Mm-hmm, yeah. But we again, and we're still trying to figure out um, why she's sick because she's a she's a heroine. She can't die. Um, <laughs> but one thing that I found that was really interesting that um, only again only happens once in the book is she goes into this fugue state, mm. she dissociates, which mm -hmm. is something that is common that happens with abuse victims. They mm -hmm. will have blackouts. They might develop multiple or split personality disorder, and while she's fighting with Clay, this happens. She goes into a fugue state and she reverts to being a child. And it seems like that's different than what, you know, we, we know that when she was, well, the illness has progressed and has been giving her these fugue states. She's been losing time and she doesn't know where she's been. She's been waking up in strange beds and just, be, and she was blaming it on this illness, which is some sort of brain illness that uh, she's been diagnosed with. But the whole fugue thing that, that happens once where she's kind of reverts, it didn't seem like that was a thing that was common to her. And maybe Clay being with him had initiated it. I wasn't sure about that. It was just a thing that happened, you know, that was just unclear in terms of, okay, is it disease? Is it trauma? Is it something else? It happens, and it's one of the reasons why she will not let herself get close to Clay. She's like, if she recognizes that she is it for him, but she knows that her life is going to not be much longer, and that will then destroy him. So that's another reason why she's trying to keep him at arm's length in the way she's protecting him. Yeah. And there's always these multiple layers of relationship conflict, which I think is really interesting. There's always more than one thing. So we've got, you know, her betrayal of him by saying that she was dead and hiding from him. Mm -hmm. And then he's having this issue with her sleeping with other people. And then also, oh, she's dying and she does and she knows that leopards mate for life. And if they're ever mated, you know, he'll never have someone else. So she doesn't want to complete the mating bond. 
that's another level of, you know, then at, at a certain point, it's, will I be accepted by the pack, by Dark River? They're going to hate me. Like, there's always these levels and raising the stakes a little bit, piece by piece, which just keeps you moving through. And it's just like evidence of really good writing, I think. Yeah. Speaking of, will she be accepted by the pack? Let's talk about Tally and Faith for a second. <laughs> so at first, Tally doesn't know who Faith is. She just knows that Faith, uh, her name comes up. Um, she's given gifts, I believe, to yeah. play. Mm -hmm. And she's jealous. She has the nerve to be jealous. <laughs> yeah, she did. She totally took that nerve. And <laughs> she got on that nerve. And Faith is not, Faith is, she doesn't, even though Faith is very happily made it, Faith was kind of possessive of Clay. She's like, this is my friend. And I don't know you. I don't know. what what is, Who are you? And what yeah. are you talking I never about? heard of you before. He never talked about you. <laughs> <laughs> and Tally backs up. And then Kay, Faith also kind of posts up and is like, you know, are you are you good enough for him? Like they have this conflict yeah. where they, they're not okay at the beginning when they first meet. <laughs> no, no. But of course, our lovely Sasha, just like, um, Gosh, the healer, Tamson. Just like Tamson, um, Tamson and Sasha immediately accept Faith. They're ex they're excited um, that it's Tally. Yeah, it's Tally. Yeah, they're excited that um, Tally um, is here and that um, Clay might have his chance that is happily ever after. The other thing about Faith is because she's a foreseer, she's seen a vision of Clay, and she what she says to Talon is that his future hasn't changed. Like he is foreseen to kind of go to the dark side. And whatever Tally's doing is not helping. So I think that's also the, the the root of it. Like they, you know, Vaughn was sort of Lone Wolf, but Clay is way worse, it seems like. And he's on this path because of what happened in his childhood, of you know, feeling basically her her abandonment of him has veered him off on this path. And now that she's back, he's still on it. So Faith has seen something, which which is the root of her initial distrust of Talon. But that's not the only thing. Faith's Talon's betrayal is not the only thing that has shaped Clay. We didn't really talk about um, his origins. Yes, Clay's changeling. His mother is human. He's changeling, and when we meet him, even in the backstory, all we know is that his mother has moved him to an apartment complex, moved a changeling child. Remember the first book? Changes didn't want to be in the Psy apartments. His mother has moved a changeling child into these apartments. The father is not there. And the mother, as far as we know, does not speak of the father. And um, she gets upset anytime Clay changes. And so he tries really hard to hold on to his changes so as to not upset his mother. And we can see that, that the mom is traumatized. One of the things that Nalini Singh makes a point to say early on is that um, there are no accidental pregnancies in changeling culture. There are no quickie or forced marriages in changeling culture. And uh, Clay points out that his mother is traumatized. And we also know from the previous books that there have been some serious pack wars, packs have been decimated, parents have been killed. So we have an idea of what could have happened, but she doesn't explicitly say what happened. Oh, see, I didn't get that at all. Hmm. I got that his mother was, I, I thought she was just mentally ill. I thought she was very unstable. I didn't I didn't get trauma necessarily, but it was her instability that had them moving. And, 
yeah, I, I wasn't sure. We, we're not sure what happened to the father, whether she, her instability, she left him. And did he, like, if he, if they were mated or, or did he die? I just wasn't sure. But it felt like the mother was very fragile emotionally and mentally. And that as a child, Clay was trying to keep her together. And he was, you know, forcing himself to be human all the time, which is bad for his leopard, which, yeah, you're right, is one, a big factor in how he is in the present moment. And so... The, the the mystery, I was surprised that we didn't learn the mystery of the father, exactly what happened, what Packy came from, what actually happened to the father. We know the mother's passed away. But yeah, that, that was an interesting mystery, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I chose to believe because the, the amount of evidence should prove to me that that mother, I think she was in, of course she was in love because right. changelings mate for life humans they can have a choice mm -hmm. but i think that i think the way that the story is written in my head is that if that dad was still alive he would have found them if she if for some reason she ran away he would have found them true that makes sense i mean changelings mate for life but the humans don't so yeah that's a good point mm -hmm. so that's some of the background of why clay is the way he he is and again i i felt that clay had a very flat arc and a flat arc is um, where your protagonist, be it hero or heroine, where the conflicts come at them, but they ultimately stay the same, um, like with their original convictions, with their original behaviors, they stay the same. And that was clay for me. He was a complete, was a flat arc. There was no character arc of him changing. See, I kind of see what you're saying with that, but he does change because at the beginning, he's like this loner who is, is foreseen to go off on the dark side and maybe become a rogue and have to be put down. At the end, he's integrated. He's he's happy. He's mated. He's got two adopted kids. You know, his whole situation is different. He's accepting these children and all of and, and with Tally. So, you know, what if we think about what is his wound, really? Was his wound his mother? Um, was his wound his wound Tally? They're kind of combined wounds. I think they're combined. And so he is able to overcome that darkness. He's able to, like I said, get over himself about all of Tally's issues. There's movement there. It's, it's, it's not a big arc, but I can't say that he's the same at the beginning as he was at the end. His values are the same. He's still a protector and he's still, you know, he's still going to be very much very leopard, um, very, you know, all those things that these shifters are. But I do think that there was motion in him and there was letting things go. There was forgiveness. There was probably forgiveness of himself because uh, he had to contend with the fact that he didn't know Tally was being abused when they were kids. And when he found out, he murdered the stepfather. But he, at one point he blames himself and he knows that she actually blames him, even though it's not logical. You know, part of her child brain was like, you didn't protect me. Now, I didn't tell you that what was happening because I knew the stepfather, I, you know, she believed the stepfather would kill him and she wanted to protect him. But there's another irrational, emotional side that was like, you are the person who was supposed to protect me. And he feels that guilt. So letting that go opens him to being able to be a well-integrated part of this society to the point where his pack mates were all like, shocked when they see him smiling and kissing her and being, you know, loving and, and softer, that is evidence of some kind of change. Okay. Maybe it was a teeny little blip a teeny of a change. Little. <laughs> Not an arc, but like a bump. bump. <laughs> a character bump. It was a character bump. Clay had a character bump. 
<laughs> because he, this was another thing that I wrote. He, they they started calling um she's Tally started calling him bully and he was calling her brat. And I was like, yeah, this is a total Dom brat, which is not one of my favorite kinks either. And and I feel like a lot of times with 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 in BDSM romance with dominance, like if they don't, if they some of them don't never like break and have their emotional um upheaval or emotional spotlight shown on them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I'm really focused focused on is the emotion. Like, like I thought that Vaughn always had harsh words and he was hard like Clay. Yeah. He just stayed mean for so long. Like I didn't have enough softness from him. That's okay. Very true. He was never soft. Never really even at the end he's I wouldn't call him softer. Lucas, Vaughn, even Judd. Yeah. You get softness. Yeah. Clay, you get protection, you get love, you get devotion. Mm-hmm. But I can't say softness. But it comes right. with, at a hard edge. Like Judd thought he was a hard edge. No, boom. Mm-hmm. You mean <laughs> Clay? He is a hard edge. Yeah. And it, it makes it makes it challenging because those are not my favorite heroes. Definitely. We love the cinnamon rolls, I think, over here. <laughs> Uh, there is an external plot. We talked a little bit about the external plot in this book, and that is um, the rescue of not only John Quill, but there's another little girl because we learn that um, Faith is basically a social worker first time. Why do I keep calling her Faith? <laughs> Tally is a social worker for the group Shine, and Shine um, basically monitors and, and collects and takes care of wayward human youth. And a lot of these kids have gone missing and wound up their bodies dumped, bludgeoned, battered, and their brains missing. Which points to the psi immediately. It took yeah. them a long time to, to figure out some psi involvement, I thought. <laughs> this, she, you know, this book, book four, way more concerned with this external plot. We get, um, we get a lot of POVs from Ashaya Aline, mm-hmm. who is the sci- scientist in charge of Protocol One, which is their program to implant, you know, babies with this implant to make the hive mind we talked about in the last episode. And she's going to be very important in, I guess, the next book. Uh, so we're getting a lot of her. We're getting a lot of, you know, extra POVs. We get Caleb. We get some more council stuff, which we've get. We get the the ghost POV mm-hmm. here. Uh, which is interesting too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I did like, it felt like this was the most concerned with this external plot that she's been in. She's laying mm-hmm. a lot of ground for the future here too. Because we actually see the rescue. We see the rescue. Yes. It was we very impact. Yes. Oh yeah. There's much more action. Um, and, but also that rescue would not have happened without Ashaya. You know, yeah. like she basically served the kids up. She was like, she's still silent according to her, although we have our doubts because you know, she is bucking against the system for her own reasons that we don't know. Well, we kind of, you know, she's against what she's been forced to do. We know her son is being used as a hostage, but it said multiple times that, you know, she was silent. She doesn't feel anything. Like, it's like, are you trying to convince yourself? Because you're not convincing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seems like any Psy who knows about the hive mind outside of the council, they don't want this. Mm, Obviously. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, we get a lot of Dorian, uh, which is great. <clears throat> We actually, you know, the meet cute of Dorian and Ashaya, we don't see on the page, but they we meet about in passing. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Spoiler alert. That's the next book. <laughs> <laughs> right? What also happens um, in this rescue 
is that Clay kills again for Tally. Right. Yes. There is a soldier that they missed in their initial recon that he has to kill. And I think he's he's worried because, you know, he believes that the violence that he did in their youth is what turned her against him in part. And but she's by this time, she's kind of over that. She's like, that had to be done. I think that she doesn't want similar to, I think, Brenna and Judd. She doesn't want his soul stained with more yeah. murder, but yeah. she's OK with what has to be done by now. Yeah. So when we do get back from the rescue, um, I love there's a there's a great scene with Faith and Sasha and Tally as they officially welcome her into the pack. And it felt like a, like a girlfriend, like, let's get together kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I enjoyed that. With lingerie. They bought her lingerie because they were <laughs> on the run and she didn't have time to pack all of her lacy things. True. But I, I made a note. See, whenever I watch um, a superhero movie, I get anxiety because in my mind, <laughs> I used to work in production operations. That's the, the 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 part of like a film or TV set where you take the script, you break it down, you figure out how much things are going to cost. Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm watching a movie, especially a Marvel or, or DC superhero movie, and the buildings start to crumble, I'm just oh, calculating yeah. things in my head. <laughs> yeah. But I do, this, I do the same whenever a hero rips the heroine's underwear. I'm just like, do you know how Dollar much signs? I <laughs> It's not like, me. this was nice laundry, like expensive, nice laundry. And they're always like, oh, I'll buy you new ones. I'm like, you don't know how much that costs. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It's wasteful. Yes. It's it's, so, it's it's not sexy to me. But yeah, I, I and on the page, I hear you. But my, my, my logical calculating brain is just like, just doing the math. I'm just doing the math. <laughs> Another thing to note, um, is um, as we get to the end of this book and the hero and heroine have consummated their relationship and they're together and they're happy. The kids have been found. The pack is happy and and, and restored. We get, we've gotten hints of what the next book is going to be about with Ashaya um, and Dorian's tales of what he encountered um, with her and what the next mission is going to be rescuing her kid. We get more about why these kids were taken. Mm -hmm. They're part of the forgotten that we learned about in the in the um, prologue. And we've met Dev Santos, who is the CEO or the president of Shine, the organization, who is human, but someone that Clay respects because he's obviously dangerous. So Clay, they had this meeting and Clay was like, he was expecting, you know, a suit. And he got this guy who is obviously carrying a weapon and knows situational awareness, which is, you know, setting up Dev. Um, and Dev gives us at some point, information about these forgotten you know he's one of them they have a shadow net when mm -hmm. they initially left the psi net the psi with families who were human and changing formed this other network and you know through the generations it's kind of broken down but you know we get the answer to tally's illness and why she has been dying even though she's only three percent psi she, that three percent needed some kind of neural network and was yeah. slowly being starved um, without it so my favorite thing is that the final scene of the book is in Sasha's POV and so, remember and no. Sasha yeah she she wakes up and she takes a look at the web of stars which is oh, the, yeah. the the link between um the dark river uh the dark river pack mm -hmm. and so now the pack has sigh in it it has changelings in it and because now there's a human is it in it there's a boost yes. of the colors of the network of, of stars because it has all three races the way that it was supposed to be. 
Right. This, this, yeah, this idea of racial harmony, which is a thing that Nalini Singh is very concerned about. You know, I think one of the main reasons we're drawn to this series initially is because it was one of the only ones that had any kind of diversity in terms of paranormal romance in this time period. And so there's everybody is mixed race, basically, like, or there's so many people of so many different, you know, their names are all different and their skin tones and she gives us descriptions. But the races she's concerned with are Psy, Human, and Changeling. You know, we're not even sure about racial, like, you know, our version of race uh, in harmony in this world at all. But we know that there have been changeling side and human issues for generations. So we said a lot of great things about this book. And that was a great segue into what we want to talk about as well. With Let's start with the cover. Can we start with the cover? Let's start with the cover of this book. So Clay from yeah. book one is described as being dark-skinned. Now we know that authors have no control over the cover. And traditionally published authors. Pu traditionally published authors, correct. Have no control over the cover. And whitewashing was always a thing. Clay is described as dark-skinned. Every cover, I looked at all the covers on Goodreads, all the international versions, is a white man. Is a white man. His, his Clay's mother, Isla, is described as being Egyptian with skin the color of black coffee. So not even, you know, a lot of times when, especially when white authors say, oh, a character is dark, does that mean they're the color of like Idris Elba or Lenny Kravitz? <laughs> like dark means different things to different people. To me, dark is dark skinned. It's like dark skinned. But remember Hunger Games when Rue is described as being dark skinned, but in the movie, when she is a whole biracial light skinned black woman, people were up in arms because they didn't think that dark meant dark. They thought dark meant like Italian or Greek or something <laughs> like slightly tan. To me, dark is Bless the people. I'm just saying. So I, but being that Nalini Singh is a brown woman, you know, she's of South Asian descent. She is maybe a little lighter than me, but she's a brown skinned woman in, a, in this world. I kind of believe that when she says dark, she means dark. However, obviously we are not blaming her for the covers, but the covers were whitewashed. And I was like every single one and they've never been updated. They've never been corrected. I, yeah, 1000% what Leslie said. And when I picked up the, when I looked at the book, when I picked it up, I was kind of like, what? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, we can take it from a marketing standpoint, like white is a default. White is is just like in the in the sign and the changeling world, right? The the changelings are very insular. They close ranks on each other. And so are the side. They close ranks on each other. So when you see a cover and you look and you see it's a white person, like a lot of the same way that the side and the changelings were insular, um, humans, they kind of moved about. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel the same way about that. Like in our present day society, like when we see something that is white, everybody's like, oh, OK, I, I can I can move around with this. But when you see something that is brown or black or different ethnicity, it's sometimes you feel like you need to be invited in. That's how I take it. So I can see that maybe I'm giving them, I'm giving them a lot of leeway, which is a lot of leeway. Way too much leeway. <laughs> So maybe their marketing department was thinking that, hey, we will get more sales. Of course. If this looks like. 100%. If, this if it's is a, a white man on the cover. Yeah, We're not going to scare them department. with, you know, our brown people on the covers, even though this, these books are all filled with brown people. That's the point. And it's the fourth book in this series. 
people were buying this book. People were on to, they latched onto this idea of diversity that Singh is putting forward. You could have even grabbed more people because again, if this is insular and white is the default, though everybody is going to be buying this book, including the white people and the non-white people. So if you put a brown person on this book, it might open you up to a brand new audience. That's all I'm saying is I think marketing folks in the publishing industry, I think you missed an opportunity. Well, in 2008, nobody was thinking of that. I mean, whitewashing was all around. There's plenty of examples of it. So, I mean, yeah, obviously today, I don't think it would happen like that because there's been enough outrage and education and all of that. But that's not even the worst thing. So the actual book description. <sighs> We tried. We tried. I tried to give you. And some as it was really giving you all the benefit of the doubt. I she can't give you any with that. Giving out, you know, tokens left and right. Just, but no. no. Clay Bennett. This is a reading from the book description. Mm -hmm. a powerful dark rebel sentinel, but he grew up in the slums with his human mother, never knowing his changeling father. So we have this black man who's white on the cover, growing up in the slums. Meanwhile, did those? Did it feel no. like slums when she you read never, the book? Nalini Singh never talks about slums. She never talks about inner city. She never talks about those trigger words, not trigger words, those dog whistles, dog whistles. that would make you um, think stereotypical right. African-American. And Clay is not African-American, but still, this is the culture that we are in today. And so we, we, it feeds into how we might experience this paranormal world. And yeah, this, I mean, the sin of whitewashing, fine, but the sin of the dog whistling yeah. <laughs> when it's not even publishers, because uh, with traditional publishing, a lot of times, or maybe even all the time, your blurb is written mm -hmm. by the by someone else, by someone else. Yeah. And, and Nalini Singh does that. not, that Nalini Singh painstakingly shows that changeling culture, there are no deadbeats. There are marriages. There are. There's not even really marriages. There are. There is mating for life. But you're trying to make his dad seem like a deadbeat, <laughs> right? Yes, and that's why because it's not in the book exactly what happened to him. It's kind of left to your imagination. <sighs> that is that is an issue. And so yeah, yeah, I think that because she's dealing with race in very like nuanced, complex ways, she's dealing with it in the way that. Much a lot of fantasy, you know, paranormal is a, a subset of, of larger fantasy and speculative fiction, deals with it in other versions of our world or in other worlds and has these analogs to our race. So yeah, there's different races and they in this world are different abilities, but you see at in this epilogue, this she's moving towards some kind of vision of racial harmony. And she's doing a lot of work that is great work that needed to be done. And she's doing it really well. And it's just a shame that the publishers, even as close to now as 2008, were in, were just doing this. Or I don't know what to even say about it. Yeah. I, I, I just want to, again, applaud Nalini Singh for what I and, and we think that she's doing with these books. I think she's 1000% challenging the white default. I mean, like none of her, none of her characters are like purebred anything, which I think is, 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 is fascinating. Um, she's also challenging a lot of gender roles. There are no, so far there are no submissives in this book, even with um, Tally who was meek for a minute just because of her fear but mm -hmm. that, that was over real quick. So a lot of these women, they're damsels saving their own selves. 
and she deals um, with race, racial and societal issues, but she's dealing with it in that fantasy world to give us the distance to, yeah. to think about things, right? So she's dealing a lot with um, conformity and individuality mm-hmm. with, with all these three separate um, races of side changeling human. She's dealing with oppression, but the oppression is the cyanet in this potential hive mind. She's dealing with emotions like clay was filled with so much rage and Tally was filled with so much shame. And she's, so she's dealing with that in this particular book. And she's constantly dealing with the hierarchies. Like the Scott, the Psy think that they are at the top of the food chain and they're systematically being proven. No, you're not. So again, she's, I think she, she, she's saying to us that the white default is not just about skin color. It's also about perspectives. Mm. And, and several times in this book, I think Tally talks about humans view themselves as the worker bees mm-hmm. because the Psy are not only subjugating their own people, they're trying to subjugate the other races, the humans specifically. And humans are at a disadvantage among the other races because yeah. they're not strong and fast and can shift like a changeling. And they're yeah. not mentally superior like the Psy. Yeah. So yeah, they are kind of used as workers and, and left behind to a certain degree. And Tally feels this in the pack and mm-hmm. as, as a human, even though she doesn't really want to be anything else. So, yeah, dealing with these issues uh, of power and control and all of these things that are sort of analogs of different kinds of different kinds of conflicts that we experience as people mm-hmm. is really definitely done for the most part. Yeah, because it's the silence that is mm-hmm. the white default in, mm-hmm. in this world. And it's the hive mind that is the last step to like conformity mm-hmm. that people are starting to fight against. And I think and that's sort I of think like, done. like a mental colonialism. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's Ugh. just really good work. And uh, yeah. Good work. And her publisher should like stop being scaredy cats. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we had a lot to say about this book. I think that when we both read it, I know that when I read it the first time, I was kind of like, mm, I remember not liking it. Mm-hmm. And then I, re- I read it again and I still have problems with it. Mm-hmm. But I started to understand because, you know, I'm older and wiser now. <laughs> so I started to understand what I think she's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I tried to see. I didn't have anything in Goodreads listed from when I had originally read it. But it's still not my favorite one. Um, but I like the progression. I like meeting Dev, learning about Ashaya, like the external stuff. You know, Clay and Talon are not my my favorite people. <laughs> but like you know, thinking about, you know, meeting the kids and there's a lot, there's a lot good here. Max, we meet Max, the cop, Mm -hmm. you know, people who I think become even more important later on too. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I, did I get that far? I don't even remember. I might've read this book. I can't. Yeah. So yeah, overall good entry in the series. She's, Mm -hmm. she's uh, linking things together. I just, I really wonder at this point when she was writing it, like, what did she know? What didn't she know? Like, was were things just coming to her and she was trusting a future Nalini to figure it all out and connect it? Or did she have a plan mm. that is at top of my for my writer mind? Like imagining, you know, when you're publishing traditionally, you don't know how many books you're gonna get. Yeah. So it is very, I don't know what kind of deal she had or anything, but these days, you know, two or three books. Like I got a four book deal, which is pretty unusual for a series. But that's she's a good books. writer. <laughs> 
still four books and planning four books like took every one of my brain cells. <laughs> you know, and I didn't I didn't plan them all. I didn't actually think about book four until I was in book. <laughs> I knew the basics. But laying all this groundwork. And so, so for me, the way I write is like, I'll put something out there and I will trust future Leslie to figure it out, <laughs> connect those dots and make it feel like I, I knew everything all along, but I had no idea. So as we go into, this is a 15 book series, yeah. right? With all these little offshoots too. Prefacing another series that who knows how, how long season two yeah, will be. Yeah, she's writing right now. Yeah. But even this, even 15 books, I don't, I imagine it was very successful. She knew she was getting more, but did, did she get a 15 book deal or she was just saying that I'm doing it. I'm going to just go on faith that I'm going to be able to wrap up all these story threads because I'm going to lay all the groundwork. And if the next book is my last book, so be it. You know, who knows? It's just, it's fascinating to me. It is fascinating. And we are so thankful to you, Nalini, for, for opening our minds and for making us think harder. And we can't wait until we get to the next book, which will be Ashea's and Dorian's. Yes. And we will be talking about that in two weeks from when this episode drops. So yeah, make sure if you're reading along with us, if you're rereading with us, you have time to get up to speed. So do you have any recommendations? Anything you're watching, listening to, reading? So there are about four books that I reread every single year, at least once. I've told you, I've told, well, I've told Leslie before that I will reread Marrying Winterborn by Lisa Claypis if I can't sleep. And I will only reread like the first act. <laughs> I love that book so <laughs> much. Um, constant reread. Um, but other than that, so that's one of my rereads. I love, um, uh, the other one is uh, Bet Me by Jennifer, Jennifer Cruzy. Oh I reread that at least once a year. And sometimes I get halfway through the year and I'll be like, did I already reread that? <laughs> I'll reread it again. So I think I read it in January, but I'm going to read it again. Well, why not? <laughs> right. How it reads. just so good. <laughs> it's basically, it's this story of um, this plus size woman, which really isn't even part of a big deal because she's freaking beautiful and she wears the best shoes in the world. But she overhears these guys making a bet um, that the, the real hot one can date her. She's like, oh, really? Okay, well, let me get a dinner out of this and then shut him down. And it doesn't go that way. <laughs> so good. And it's super old. It's like from the 90s or something. It's like a super it, old book. It, it aged so well. Okay. It's not exactly romance. I call it like women's fiction. It is. It's women's fiction with romantic yeah. elements, which is not my thing. Right. That yeah. is not my thing. But it's so good. And I think it's so good because um, Jennifer Cruzy, she has um, this nonfiction book author in the, as one of the characters, as the hero's ex-girlfriend who's trying to get him back. And so she's tickling both sides of my brain with this <laughs> romance and with this woman trying to win this man back and trying to do it scientifically. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go, Leslie, because I got to go reread this book. <laughs> Well, what I'm going to, I haven't started watching it yet, but I've been waiting so I can binge it, is a new TV show, recent TV show that my brother's actually in. My brother is an actor, my little brother, Paul James, and he's in the new show Lessons in Chemistry, which is based on the best-selling book, and it stars Brie Larson. Yeah, he's got a role. I don't think he shows up to episode four, but he's got a, he's in the trailers. If you see the trailer of that, there's like a black man in a hat who's like protesting something. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So he told, he, I remember talking to him when he was on set oh. and he told the story about how Brie Larson was really cool and she would bring board games to the set. So all the actors, when they were off, you know, not being filmed in the green room or whatever, they would play board games together. So I thought that was kind of cool. And yeah, I try to support his shows whenever possible. So I will be binging Lessons in Chemistry. I will, I will watch that after I reread Bet Me and I might reread it twice and then watch Paul. Yay! <laughs> so guys we hope you're reading something amazing too and we want to thank you for joining us today please let us know what you think you can leave a comment on youtube with your thoughts on the episode you can also share it with a friend who loves romance but also please remember to rate and review us on apple podcasts or spotify and you can check our book schedule on our website, inkandmagic.net, so you can read along with us and enjoy the conversation. And we'll see you next time. Bye, Bye. everybody.